and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian, as always, and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, where this is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest games. Again, we put no limits on them. It could be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, could be a win, a loss, a championship game, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest game. So, Chris, this is another special episode for me and one that's close to home. We have Terrence Gibson here with us, who is the head girls basketball coach at Ridgeview High School in Columbia, South Carolina. He just finished his 14th year, and we got him pulled away from the grill long enough to be able to record a podcast with us. <laughs> Super excited to have you here, Terrence. What's the last thing that you've had on the grill? Uh, steak. I had a steak. Yeah, we uh, uh, grilled a steak and we had ribs and all that other stuff like that. We cooking all the time. And so, had a steak on the grill. That was the last thing. That was juicy and good, too. Uh, I'm excited that you know where I live, so you can uh, drop those by <laughs> next time you got some things on the grill. I'm excited about that. Thank you so much. <laughs> was, uh, we, we were talking before the, before the recording, and not only has Terrence been specializing on the grill, but apparently he's learning a lot. By uh, homeschooling his son, Terrence is learning a lot of new things that apparently he didn't learn in high school. Exactly. I didn't realize what, uh, what you know, education in elementary school really means. I didn't realize that, uh, that they do so much science. I realized they do so much social studies. And I didn't realize math changed. I thought the truest <laughs> thing in the world was numbers until I started teaching elementary math. Box math application, round and off math application, round and off division. Never heard of that before. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we uh, think we have coming up here soon a uh, Ridgeview Coaches Zoom, so maybe we can set you up and have you teach us how to do some some box math or you just run us through whatever we need to know, whatever we need to be caught up with uh, in the world of elementary education. <laughs> yeah, I will do that, but I made the worst teacher in the world because I'm still learning myself. <laughs> I can have TJ come up there and teach you. <laughs> we'll take it. That'd be great. <laughs> Again, as uh, Brian said, Coach just finished his 14th year at Ridgeview as the girls head basketball coach. But, Coach Gibson, why don't you take us through your playing career and your coaching career and how you got to where you are today? Okay. Uh, uh, I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. I played high school ball at Keenan High School for a coach named Coach uh, Ben Trapp. Uh, then I had to go to junior college for a little bit for two years at, in California. And then I earned a scholarship out to uh, Virginia Commonwealth University uh, after my two years up at uh, in, in California. Then I played two years in Virginia Commonwealth, and then I started traveling all over the world playing professional. I had a couple of trials. I was down in the Houston Rockets trials for a little bit. I was down in Atlanta Magic trials for a little bit, and I did well, uh, extremely well. Uh, uh, and, and there's a lot of politics into, you know, getting anything, but I wasn't fortunate enough to get on one of those teams by played overseas. I played in Canada, I played in Turkey, I played in Hungary, I played in South America uh, for a little bit, but I played all over the United States. I think I lived in every city in the United States playing some kind of professional ball. And then after that, uh, on my off-season, I was teaching uh, and coaching a, a what you call it, a alternative school basketball program as a youth outreach program for the kids so they can have something to do. Then when I started coaching that, I realized I love coaching. Uh, we did extremely well in the city and had a chance to go play for a uh, the community state championship, or it was a state championship for all the community parks. And we was the only team that was from our turn to school that was represented in the program, in that program. And that felt comfortable. And then 
I moved back to South Carolina to take care of my grandfather, and then I ended up at Ridgeview, uh, helping uh, a coach named Coach Vince Lowry. And then when I started helping Coach Vince Lowry, uh, uh, Combs came over. Uh, then when Combs came over, uh, we had a coach named Ralph Pertan. He left the girls' program. Then they said there's opportunities for uh, opportunity to open for the girls' program, and I took that, and I've been there ever since. We were joking before we hit record here that, uh, you know, I knew John Combs when I was at the University of South Carolina and he hired me to be his JV coach at Ridgeview. Um, but I, the, the real reality is that the real reason that I'm at Ridgeview is because you moved from JV boys over to take the varsity girls uh, job. But I didn't meet you until I got yeah. there, but it's been uh it's been a real neat journey to watch you grow as a coach and now to be your athletic director at Ridgeview. It's been uh fantastic you've been super successful uh, putting girls in college making them playoffs deep runs in the playoffs every year so you just you've done a fantastic job and um just really it's a real pleasure to work with you for sure yeah same here i've seen you grow as an athletic director i see how you took this program and hired very good coaches and you're very supportive of the, all the programs and that's what a lot of times you know i hear a lot of things you know when you go to different places and and uh you hear about the ad don't care so much about either they football coaches or they boys coaches or they baseball coaches. I can say our AD is about all the sports coaches. You know, he takes just as much interest as our state championship boys or our, our very dominant uh, football teams as well as our, our very good girls basketball team. He takes much interest in our tennis team, our baseball team, our softball team, our track team. There's no sport at our school that doesn't get all in from Coach Roseville. I do appreciate that because uh, I, I don't know they know it, but I know it talking to other people how hard it is to have a good athletic director that cares about each individual sport, the revenue sports and the non-revenue sports. And I really appreciate that about you. You're a good man. Thank you for Look that. Look at that. We got Rosefield <laughs> blushing. Coach, <laughs> just a quick question. When you were at VCU, did you play for Sonny Smith or Mac or Mac McCarthy? Who did you play for? I played for Sonny Smith. Uh, okay. uh, uh, we had a very good team and, you know, we was one of those, my junior year, we was one of those teams that was on the bubble. Uh, and, and 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 the NCAA, uh, where everybody had us playing against the Fab Five, and I was all ready to play against Michigan that year. We was, because was, we had a rough season that year because in the middle of the season, we had injuries that affected us in the, in the playoff. We beat Louisville, but we lost to Southern Miss. And that Southern Miss loss was a bad loss. And... And uh, and we lost to Tulane. Uh, and I can't tell you, I mean, to be honest, I don't know who was the schedule, but we played in New Orleans, stayed the night in New Orleans, and went to play Southern Miss. Ooh. Doing Mardi Gras. So how good <laughs> you think we did against <laughs> Southern Miss? <laughs> so we ended up losing those two games in a row. And then when it came down to the NCAA tournament, it became – because uh, it came down between us and Tulane. Because okay. we lost it, we, we was tied for uh, second place in our re- – in our our division. Uh, we got the second seed because uh, we beat because we beat Louisville that year, um, and then uh, we made it to the conference championship. Lost to Louisville in the championship game. They end up taking Tulane because the game before we went before the Metro tournament started, our star player got hurt, Kendrick Warren, and he got hurt. Tulane still had a star player, and they figured that since they had their this is what our coach told since they had their players, you know, they were full healthy. They feel like they would have made a better run in the NCAA tournament than us. Mm-hmm. So we got pushed out. Wow. But we ended up going to the NIT, played a couple of games, and ended up losing before we had a chance to go to New York. So, yeah, so, so you played, 
played for Sonny Smith, a, a great college basketball coach, was at Auburn when Charles Barkley was there. And, mm-hmm. and I know at VCU, the locker room or the video room, I know Barkley gave them a bunch of money at one point when Sonny Smith was there to redo that room. And it's, it's really weird. People go to VCU, Rose. I don't know if you've ever been to the arena there, and mm-hmm. you see a Charles Barkley room. And people mm-hmm. are like, well, why is there a Charles Barkley room at VCU? Like, that doesn't yeah. – but it's because Sonny Smith, his college coach, then went to coach at VCU. Yeah, Sonny Smith used to – I mean, uh, Charles Barkley used to come up there and ball with us a couple of times, and he is a character. Charles Barkley come up there, but, you know, basketball's played different than it is now. He ain't really cared that we was college kids, and he was, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he was knocking us around like, you know, like, you know, our name was Charles Oakley or something like that. It's said, like, man, Barkley, calm down. But, you know – Barkley, Barkley is a character. Barkley is everything you see on TV. Barkley is in in real life. He he say what he say. He's, he you know Barkley is a is a very good person. But he is funny. He is he is funny. <laughs> yeah, been 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 fortunate to be around him a couple times in Final Fours, and he is uh, he is genuine a guy as as you really will come across. It seems like yes. it just it just. He is who he is, and he, everybody loves him, and he's just uh, enjoying life. And, and exactly, uh, and he ain't trying that. to hurt anybody. He ain't trying to like. He just says what he, he just. He is what he is. That's the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, Terrence, let's kind of move into a little bit of Q and A. So, some quick questions and answers here. And so, uh, one of one of the ones one of the questions that I wanted to ask you about was if you could tell us the story about your first technical foul. I know it's going to be hard to believe that you've gotten a technical foul, but do you remember the story or do you have a memorable technical foul that you could tell us about? Uh, that's kind of hard because, you know, uh, I'm, I, I, I kind of, uh, my first technical foul, you know, I was yelling, I was yelling, I was yelling. You know, I felt like because this coach was established and I was a new coach on the block, I felt like, uh, you know, I'm getting the short end of the stick. So I told them, you know, in, in, in so many words, is is if if you close your eyes, could you call a better game than you close call? <laughs> so she took it kind of, uh, she got kind of mad. <laughs> I, I said, you, she got kind of mad and checked me down. I said, why you tech me? And she said, I won't hear no more out of you, coach. And so you know, I'm from Columbia, and so I know a lot of referees, you know, away from being a referee. And so the referee came over there and said, uh, Coach, I'm telling you this for your own good. You know, it's a lot of money if I give you another tech, if you don't know. And he said, so I advise you to sit down right now uh, before we have to end up giving you another tech. And so, you know, and, and I remember that because I thought I didn't say anything wrong because I just felt like, you know, if she closed her eyes, she couldn't tell which one was, which one, who, what team would she calling for. And so, you know, because she was doing, I thought she was doing a terrible job, but, you know, she thinks she was doing a great job. So I got my tech that way. That is a. Uh, I think that's a, a way you're always going to get a tech if you ask the coach, or the ref, if they close their eyes, could they call a better game? That's for sure. <laughs> so, coach, talk that. talk about the transition. Uh, it's always an interesting transition for a guys' coach to go to become a girls' coach, and and what that was like, and and just the difference, and and things you had to adjust, and you know, just that that change from becoming a boys' coach to a girls' coach. Uh, it's, it's funny. The biggest difference in be coaching between girls and boys is that more boys, uh, in general, uh, have dreams of going further than, you know, every boy think they're gonna be the next LeBron James. Every girl don't think they're gonna be the next Maya Moore. And the biggest adjustment is that you have a whole team 
like if they're the best player, if you have a player on the boys' teams that's the very best player, but you know, everybody recognizes that's the best player. Very few people would challenge that best player. But the second, third, and fourth best player, everybody's always challenging. On the girls' side, no, it's, it's the, they are the best player, the second and third play, best player. People don't, the girls don't challenge them as much. And I think, uh, you know, uh, as the girls' game keeps getting expanding, I think that, I think that, I think that becoming more of a trend in girls. Like girls is not going to say, okay, she's the best player, so I'm not going to compete against her. Uh, and that's the main thing. It's just that uh, coaching girls and boys, it's the same thing. You know, uh, girls are is very passionate about winning. Uh, they will listen to you if they trust you. With coaching boys, if they trust you, they will listen to you too. And and that's the main thing because everybody wants to get better. Everybody enjoys winning. But the main thing is you have more boys that is dreaming of playing further than more further than their career or further than their career through basketball. As with girls, you know, they'll say, okay, I'll, you know, if I get a scholarship, that'd be great, but I can get me an academic scholarship or I can do this or I can do that. As boys, it's like I'm all in. I want to get I want to play for Duke. Girls say, man, I'm okay with playing with, you know, not playing college ball at all. And you run through that more than you run with girls. But as far as the attitudes and, and anything like that, uh, when you have a good girls team that listen to you, uh, they'll compete at any, they'll do anything. That's the same thing with boys. If you have a good boys team that listen to you, you can do most anything. You know, the only thing is if you call a play, you might, the end result might be different. You might get a dunk or a spectacular move as with a girl who's not as athletic you still get the same two points. But it won't just be, as I guess, as as, as flat-born as the boys would be flying through the air. But coaching girls is an eye-opening uh, and a point that uh, that you might have to deal with more holding grudges than boys, but when you have the right team, they don't hold grudges that long. Because I had a team, one year I had a team, uh, every day they fought each other. But when they got on the court, they were the best team you can ever watch it play. Off the court, they will fight each other. Now another team, they get mad at each other off the court. They come on the court, and they're still holding grudges from what happened off the court. And you know, and that's the biggest thing. You don't see that in boys as much, uh, but girls, you know, they tend to hold on to things more. But that's not all girls. I guess it's the same thing with some boys too, because I coach some a boys team. Uh, uh, I don't want to say names and stuff, but when one of my teams, I coach JV. I had a ninth grade on my JV team, clearly the best player. Everyone on our team hated him because he was our best player. And they did, and you know, and 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 they used to try to sabotage him and things of that nature. And he had to rise above that. And he eventually and he did, of course, because like I said, you know, cream always rises to the top. And he went on to be a very successful podcast host, and his name is Chris de Blasio. I'm just kidding. That's not true. That's not true at all. But, uh, you know, Terrence, I get the, the pleasure to work around you every day and, and look at the relationships that you build with girls. And, you know, the winning for you, it takes care of itself. I know you, you A, you put in more work than tons of coaches in the country. You're always in the gym with the girls whenever you can be. Uh, great skill development. Girls come to your program. They get better and better and better every year. And you see that with how many kids that you send to college and play, and play at the next level. Um, but what do you really see your role as um, being as a high school coach? What's your, what's your true role? What's your, what are you really trying to accomplish as a high school coach? Um. Uh, I remember when someone was telling me one time, we were talking about it's my job to get you from transition. I'm the transition person from transition to A to transition to B. I'm the person in the middle. 
I don't know if you remember the Matrix or anything like that. And they had they was in the subway or something like that, and they just call in the halfway point. So you're not necessarily the end result, but you're not necessarily the beginning. A lot of kids that we get to come to our school, uh, you know, they come from good parents. They have good parents. They have dreams. They have hopes and aspirations and stuff like that. And so I try to be a voice to them. For the, I try to be a voice for the parents at the school. You know, what the right things to do. Uh, who, uh, uh, what's the right attitude to have towards school? What to have the right attitude towards friends? What you consider a friend? What you don't consider a friend? Who you hang with? Who you? How you set your examples? Now. In doing that, I know this is only for four years. So if my job is to teach you those things, because when you go off to college, you got to have a foundation to deal with all the other things that come with you in life. Because uh, when you go into college, you're opening yourself to a lot of different things. And if you're not strong into what you believe in, you're going to fall for anything. So I try to be that transitioning person from middle school in that young adult age to adulthood as you, as you go into your dreams and stuff like that. And so, you know, start now, your ninth grade year, what you want to do, where you want to be, how you going to get there, who are you going to be with, where you going to be. These people right now is for four years. I've been out of high school since 1990. I've been out of high school longer than I've been in high school. I've been out of high school longer than I, you know, been in school. And so you got four years to try to figure this out and move on with your life. So I try to be that transition person as far as, okay, if you want to play basketball, you got to be in. You got to be dedicated to your books. You got to be dedicated to your Eating habits, you got to be dedicated to your training. You got to be dedicated to that. Well, I like basketball, but I really don't. Okay, you still got to be dedicated to your book. You got to be dedicated to your uh, your character because your character carries you further along than anything else. You know, you can be the smartest one, but you got bad character, people are not going to be around you. You can be the best basketball player. You have bad character, people are not going to be around you. And so I just try to be that transitional person from this point to that point because I know my time, which is very short. And then when you go on with your life, it's good to hear from you. I talk to you as much as I can, but you have to deal with life every day like we all do. And that's what I see myself as. That's a tremendous answer. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was, that was an unbelievable answer, Terrence. I, I like the way you use the, the term transition, you know, and that's what it is. It's the transition from you. It's the transition to you becoming your own really autonomous person, breaking, break, not breaking away from your parents, but, you know, you, you've got to grow up and, and that's young adulthood. And, and yes. I mean, that's exactly what the mission of every high school coach should be. I don't, Brian, I don't know if you agree as an athletic director, but I think you do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is one of the reasons, one of the, uh, about 1,113 reasons that I love Terrence Gibson. That's it. That's it. Uh, it was a, uh, it was somewhat of a leading question for me because I do know the, the true, extent of what he does as a, as a coach on the floor, but more than that, just as a mentor off the floor, he's just a incredible, incredible rock in, in the Ridgeview community, Northeast Columbia community and Columbia basketball community in, in general. And just, uh, those girls are very, very lucky to have him. Now you got me at back to blushing. I'm turning red now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coach, as you know, uh, the name of the podcast is the greatest games. Yes. So why don't you take us through your greatest game as a coach? Uh, and we could get to more, but try to take us through your, what you think is the greatest game. And it doesn't have to be that you coach great, but just a really memorable, great game that you were a part of. Give us as much detail as you want, and uh, we'll have some follow-up questions as we hear the story. Uh, uh, I, I mean, the greatest games I, I, I've been in is uh, uh, we had a very good team, and we went down to Greenville. Uh, and and 
the year before, I'm trying to get a little backstory to the year before, uh, we went down to Spartanburg and we played this girl down there. And, you know, I pride myself on our defense. You know, we help each other. We take, we try to get in position to help, take charges, close out, play tough man to man. We play full court. We, we try to speed you up. We try to speed you up and play you out of control. So that's my philosophy. That just, we, we, it's like organized chaos. Uh, we get you playing chaos, chaotic, but we're going to play organized. Uh, and we played this one girl. And the more pressure we put on her, the more relaxed she became. And she put 45 on us. And, and oh yes, this girl was every bit the truth. And, and I had this one girl that was like one of the best defenders in the state, guarded some of the best players you can think of on the AU circuit and on the high school circuit. If there was any great player on the other team, you say, you go get her, she touched the ball, you got her, you don't let her catch it. Well, she guarded this girl, and this girl put her on the butt a couple of times. And, and uh, so that's the year before. So we lost in that second, we lost in the second round the year before. So we come back with the whole team. You know, we had a great team. And so the first, and we started the playoffs. Uh, the first round matchup, uh, we played a very solid team. And then the second round matchup, uh, uh, we played uh, that girl we played that gave us 45. So we knew what we what was going into. And we held her down, held her down to 22. Uh, and we won, and then we had to go to third round. Now everybody we planned against, we do your scouting report and all the stuff like that. Everybody we played since that, we said, okay, then we can beat them. We know they're not as athletic as us. They're not as fast as us. They don't have as many guards as us. They don't have anything like this we have. Well, we played this team Greenville. They looked just like us. They were fast, quick, athletic. They had a girl that was uh, that was signed with UNC, but she decommitted and went to Georgia Tech. They was loaded. I said, oh, man, this is going to be, you know, I, I'm nervous. Then we had to travel up there because that's what the high school league rules had it on the bracket set fight fell. So we went up there and we played this team. They had a home crowd. Uh, like I never really seen for a girls program. I never seen a girls team that have a crowd to pull this way. They had fans in the bleachers behind the goal. They were yelling, yelling, all this other stuff. And so this is our first really hostile environment where we felt like we playing a team like we like, – so they jumped out to an early lead. And in that, my star player, you know, wanted to do so bad, had a breakdown. So I had to sit down. So I had to sit her down. So while she was sitting down, I was depending on my bench players. On my bench players, you know, not really bench players, but my other players to take the load. And this one girl who struggled, you know, the whole year, I had to put her, I set her, I played her, attitude problems or anything like that, had to sit her down. Uh, she would come back to me and say, man, why are you sitting down? I'm the next Carmelo Anthony. I said, you play more like Dennis Rodman because you can lead the state in rebounding. But she wanted to play like uh, Carmelo, shooting three, fall aways, and all this other stuff and things of that nature. So I had to sit her down and say, you're going to play the way I want you to play or you don't want to play where I want you to play. And halfway through that, she finally got it. She came to me and said, coach, I understand. I started watching documentary on Dennis Rodman. I said, Dennis Rodman's a surefire Hall of Famer. Melo might not make it a Hall of Famer. You know, he, he's a very good player, but I just broke it down like that. So, you know, instead of Dennis Rodman more. So she came back and, she, and I think about two games before the playoffs started, she went averaging like six rebounds a game to about 18 rebounds a game. So we're going to playoff. And so, you know, she's playing a lot, a lot now. So we're going to playoffs. So I had to sit my star player down. She goes in there and she's just getting every rebound we can possibly get. And then my other guard, my second player, who averaged by 12, scored 12 in the first quarter and scored 10 in the second, or eight in the second quarter. So she, we had a scoring and the rebounding, but we still down at halftime. Go in there, 
star player got the got got her emotions together. The second half, I never seen nothing like that. That girl was hitting shots from she was hitting shots from the white line. She was driving to the end ones. She was in the crowd. We cut the lead down. She hit a three to tie it up with like 10 seconds left. I mean, like 10 seconds with like a, a minute left in the game. Uh, I, I never seen, and this is when I realized, okay, you know, everybody's not built the same. I've been around a lot of girls basketball. I never really seen or been a part of where girl, I, well, I seen Ivory Atlanta. I never really seen or been a part of where a girl elevated her game in the middle of the game and just couldn't do anything wrong. She took her game to another level and sitting there part of it. And I'm coaching, I'm coaching, changing up defense, changing up offense, calling different plays and doing all this. And I thought I'm doing anything. All I really doing was make a bunch of noise. The little girl had the game in control. And then, and then, and then when the game was over, the game was over, you know, you think, oh yeah, we won, we won, we going to the locker room and stuff like this. And, and, the coach from the other team and some of the parents on the other team came in our locker room and had to shake her hand because they'd never seen a performance like that before either. They, they came in and said, man, that was unbelievable what you did. I mean, this girl was hitting, I mean, like, like two steps away from the half-court line shooting threes. We down by three. Uh, coming down there, uh, getting the and once on their bigs and driving and taking two or three people at the same time to the rim. And, you know, and before then, you know, she had some good moves, but I never seen nothing like this before. And I'm always remembering that game because if she didn't do that, we'll never win that game. And 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 that game will always stick with me because I saw someone, I've been a part of someone where I seen it on TV. I, when I played ball, I felt like I did that a couple of times, but I never been a part of uh, of coaching someone where they actually elevated the game. Wherever we needed, we needed a defensive stop, she made a stop. We needed a rebound, she got a rebound. We needed three points, she got three points. We needed any kind of bucket, she got the bucket. And then she hit the clinching free throws with seven seconds left in the game to win the game for us. And and I just never been a part of that. And that game always remember me because it was just we should have lost that game until she did what she did. But we she gave her the opportunity to do what she did was her teammates holding the fort down until she get her energy, her, her nerves back under her. Because, you know, we, we never had a a, 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 a a girls game where they were standing room only and they standing behind the bleachers uh, yelling and, and trying to distract you from shooting your free throws. You never had that. We never been in an environment where everybody on the team was just as fast as us. We never been in an environment. Uh, they had a player, you know, we, our thing is like, we have five guards. Y'all got one. Our five guards can beat y'all five, your one guard. We were in a situation where they had five guards. Never in a situation where we could jump higher than you. Well, they can jump just as high as us can. We just need someone to push us over their level, and she did that. And that was very exciting to do. And, and, and when we walked out, this, we walked out, the, uh, out the game to see the AD there, see the principal there, and see all our fans there to, to travel all the way from Columbia to Greenville, I mean, from that, you know, I always to my dying days, you know, I'm I'm always remember that game. I'll tell you, Chris, through that that environment at Greenville that, that Terrence is describing, that gym is very unique in, in my experience, at least in South Carolina, that has bleachers on both sides of, of the gym, but then like he's referencing the bleachers that are right behind that basket and they put their students there. And it's it's almost it's really humorous. They put those like uh uh, I guess they're stanchions, but the, like they do it at, at movie theaters in front of that bleacher. And it's like, 
if they wanted to rush the floor, they would just run right through that thing like it was nothing. But yep. it's just kind of funny, like these just hundreds of kids going crazy and then this little tiny little stanchion right in front of them to yeah. keep them there. But it's, it is as is, is fun an environment at Greenville High School and is really right, right in downtown Greenville, which is a beautiful, beautiful city, beautiful setting uh, as you'll ever find in South Carolina is to go up there and win on the road like that. Uh, super, yeah. super exciting. That, uh, that sounds like a tremendous game. Now, did you have a real AD? Was that Coach Gordon? The AD? <laughs> no, no, no. That was Coach Rose. That was Coach Rose. That was, gave us the opportunity to do that, you know. You know, he don't miss the opportunity to drop some of his nuggets to my girls, too. So, that helps a whole lot, too. Uh, just quickly, Brian, before I get to the question I have for Terrence, we, we have a gym like that up here. And we talked about the school uh, a couple days or a little while ago when we talked to Coach Van Saders the team that he beat in his greatest game, Ramapo High School, who I told mm-hmm. you is one of the – they have that. They have the bleachers behind the uh, one basket, and that's where their students sit. It's the same thing. It's just like their students are back there. It's crazy. It's such a unique environment that you don't normally see mm-hmm. in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach, just talk a little bit more about you sitting that girl down. You said she was kind of having some emotional issues. Was was this something that happened to her before or – and what, what led her to come out of that? Was it something you or one of your assistants talked to her about at halftime, or she just had to work through it herself? I know, it's, um, you, know, it, you know, it was something that, you know, as, as young people, you don't, you know, if you love the game, and, and, and I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can relate to her something like this. When you love the game and, and when you love competition, the one thing you don't like is to lose. And that's the, and that's the thing. And that's the difference between uh, 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 a lot of good athletes. You know, some athletes is okay with losing. Some athletes are okay with uh, 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 wherever the result shows up. But some athletes uh, is, is a deep down desire not to lose. And they'll do whatever it takes to, uh, to win the game. And so she was one of those unique athletes that if she had a bad game, she'll call me in the middle of the night and say, man, I need to go shoot. 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 I just can't sleep unless I go shoot. I said, school closed, you can't go shoot now. So just meet me in the morning. Or she'll come in there and say, Saturday, call me up and say, let's go shoot. Now I said, okay, we go shoot. Or she, she just had those things that she just always wants to win. And, and, she, and, and it's not want to win, and she would work hard to win it. And so sometimes that boils over uh, to, you know, where you teeter you, you on the line of, of I don't know, it's insanity. It's like you'll drive everybody crazy because, man, we want to die on one, but we can play better. We can play better. You know what I'm saying? They can understand where she was coming from. So a lot of times uh, when you're a young person, you don't know what to do with all that energy. Uh, you don't know what to do when you're, you want to win so bad and your body's not letting you do it. You, you're not making shots. Uh, you're trying too hard. You're squeezing the ball too tight. You're missing layups that you normally make. Uh, you're, missing, you're shooting the air balls that you normally hit. Why are you so intense? And that's when all the emotion comes in at one time when all the motion comes in, it's like, oh, we're about to lose. I'm not playing well. Uh, 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 it's my fault uh, because, you know, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. So I, I told her, and, and when she came to the sideline, I said, what I told her is you have to get yourself together and let the game come to you and don't put so much pressure on yourself. So, you know, she went over there, my assistant coaches, you know, try to uh, console her. Uh, she didn't want to hear it, uh, so she said to end the bitch. And, you know, and, and this was another thing. I didn't think about this. You know, she went over there, cried a couple of tears. Uh, when she cried those tears out, she came to me and said, Coach, I'm ready. 
or at halftime, she came to me and said, Coach, I'm ready. Uh, 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 I won't let you down. And and that was it. So it was a combination of, of the year of working with her and dealing with the attitude or dealing with how to control that fire. Uh, I know, uh, I don't know where I heard this. I think it was on Rocket or something like that. It's like, like fear or something like that. It's like fire. Uh, if you can control it, you can warm your food. You can, you can, uh, uh, you can do a lot of amazing things with fire. You can warm your house. You can warm your food. You can cook your food. You can do a lot of things. But if you can't control it, it becomes very dangerous. It burns down everything you touch. It becomes wildfire. And we had conversation all year long about controlling that fire. You can't let that fire control you. You have to control that fire. And when you control that fire, you can do amazing things. And and that night, she controlled that fire, and all the things that she'd been working for came through on that night. So you've got an innate gift at knowing, in this case, in this verbiage here, when that fire is too hot and when that fire needs a little bit of stoking, you know? And so um, what uh, what do you attribute your your skill at at being so, you're so good at knowing people, uh, knowing what people need? How has that skill developed over your career? And uh, what do you think has attributed, uh, contributed that, uh, to that for you? I think the main thing is uh, growing up, you know, I talked kind of funny, you know, I got a lisp, I got, I got a thick tongue. So growing up, I didn't really talk a whole lot. I just watched people. I just watched people, how they interact. I watched people, how they, how they did things. Uh, uh, I always loved basketball. Uh, and, and so I watched, you know, you know, any story was anybody by anybody, you know, Isaiah Thomas, his story in, growing up in Chicago, uh, Michael Jordan, his story growing up in, in Wilmington, uh, Magic Johnson, his story growing up in Michigan, you know, all those things. So I'll I, I listen to all those things. And then you go in your neighborhoods and you go into your parks and you go into your family gatherings or your friend gatherings. You sit back and see how people interact and stuff like that. And, 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 and it's just a true story right here. It's like when I was growing up, you cannot step on anybody's shoes. That is a cardinal sin. So you grow up the kind of toughness, you know, uh, where, um, where you know, anytime that something goes away, you have to fight about it. I never felt comfortable with that because I felt like, you know, people, you know, people, you know, at the end of the day, wants the best for them, but they don't really want to hurt people. It's just in situations again, and that's what happens a lot of times. So one day in college, went to a, a fraternity party. I went to a, a party with one of my, with my teammates and I stepped on somebody's shoe and I looked around ready to, okay, what are we about to do? And he looked at me and said, man, you want to have some fun? And I think, wait a minute, you know what I'm saying? Like, so all the things that, okay, there's another side to this. It came to fruition that day. And it's like, okay, you know what I was feeling about people in general do want to help people, you know, like with the crisis going around now. If you ask somebody if they want to hurt someone or they will help, you'll find 90% of people want to help. And that's and that when I find. So I, I learned to look at different ways. Because one way is like, man, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to fight you, but I don't know anything else. So my job is okay, let me look at there is another way. Oh, I want to do it this way, but there's another way else. So it was, it was I say it was just me just first 14 years or 15 years of my life just looking at people, you know because I was afraid to talk. And so I just looked at people and realized that in general, people are good people. That's a great answer, man. That's unbelievable. That's, uh, that's really informative. Like, and, and I think Brian tapped into it that you really obviously have a great read on your girls that you coach. And, and that's why you've had so much success. 
uh, coach, we like to wrap it up here with a, with a little bit of a fun question. Okay. Um, so you've been there 14 years. So if I asked a girl that played for you in 2009 and I asked a girl who played for you this year, uh, what would they say is the one thing Coach Gibson says all the time? And, again, it could be a coaching point. It could be something funny, something you say in practice, something you say in the games. They're like, oh, Coach Gibson always says this. Uh, it, it's not really one thing. As you can see tonight, they always say – They all. everyone says this, long speeches. <laughs> long <laughs> speeches. I just give long, long speeches. Everybody, every, you know, they come in and they say, Coach Gibson gave you one of those long speeches. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we have our alumni come down, the first thing they ever talk about is my long speeches. But I'm about to give another long speech. But the great thing about it is when they all said it, they always ended with, you should listen because you don't know what he's saying now. It makes a lot more sense once you leave high school. And so, you know, and, and, and that's gratification because, you know, my main thing is to get you thinking out of high school. Because high school, is, as we know it, you know, just yesterday, you was in ninth grade. You remember your first day at walking across campus now we old men you know <laughs> we old we old men it's like uh talking to someone that says uh 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 you know you have to take care of the elderly and i look at man I, i'm old i didn't realize i was old i asked somebody who i'm playing a song by um outcast and they look at me and say oh man you like old school i ain't think outcast is old school but yeah they're old school so you know, and my main thing is time flies. So don't spend your whole four years trying to fit your whole life in that whole four years because after four years, you got 50, 60 more years of living. So it feels good when they say, yeah, you give a long talk, but please listen to them. Well, I can, I can certainly echo that. Uh, you, 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 I, lo I love you and, you and you love to talk and you always have great things to say and, and you're walking through the gym, whether it's the main gym or the small gym at Ridgeview. And uh, it's pretty, it's pretty customary at times to see those girls on the baseline and, and they not, may not be running. They're just, they're just, they're just listening. And it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's coach Gibson giving some wisdom and telling them. And, it, and it's really true. Like I know we're, we're laughing and having a good time, but through your journey and even going back to appreciate what you share about being a kid, like you, you've, you've, you've lived some incredible experiences from Columbia to California to Europe to South America, you name it. And now you're back here and being able to pour into kids at Ridgeview. It's just, uh, it's, it's really a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. We, we, we know you're active on Twitter at RV underscore girls hoops on Twitter. He's a great follow. Um, and you never know, he might post a picture of what he's cooking here, uh, during this time of that time of the world, but, but coach can't thank you enough for coming on the show. You've been, it's been great to have you. Hey, thank you. Thank you. But coach Rose, I got one thing to say. Yeah. What you got? It's been great. It's been great working for you. I mean, great thing, but, uh, 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 I just love your sense of humor. I just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you know, and, and, and I just want to say that, you know, uh, I, you know, a lot of times, you know, you might not hear enough or anything like this and things like that, but your imagination is the reason why Ridgeview is the way it is now. Mm -hmm. One of we one of the best, you know, when I first got to Ridgeview, we was not where we are now. Everywhere we go, I, I you know, like with the quarantine thing, I put my Ridgeview shirt on, I hear nothing but great things about our, our athletic programs in our school. And I, I attribute it all, you know, a great deal to you. A great deal to you and Dr. Mack, you know, especially you with your imagination, with the bow bag, with just just all the positive things. I don't know if you know that as much, but all the things that you're involved with 
at Ridgeview and all, it does well. You know, I always say I bleed blue and gold because I'm from Keenan. There's more kids right now that bleed purple and silver, purple and black now than any other school in there. I think we, I think that always talks to you where you got these, just all this, this podcast, bow bash, everything. So I really like to say just great. Well, Terrence, I appreciate it. And I tell you, it's a, it's a pleasure to work with you. And you're right. You mentioned Dr. Mack, Brandon Ross, our whole district, our coaching staff, our entire coaching staff. It, it's, I, I wrote about this a few weeks ago, just, it's a dream job. And I know Chris gets to do it up in New Jersey. You get to do it here in Columbia with us here. And it's just what, what a pleasure it is to, in this case, be around basketball, but for all of our sports to be able to coach and to pour in the kids and to help them grow, put them in positions that are going to challenge them for where they're going to fail. Like, all right, let's get up and do it over again. And to watch them just grow into responsible young men and women through sports. I mean, like what, what else is there? Like what a, what a fantastic job, but um, I really do appreciate your words of encouragement. And it's always, it's always great to hear nice things. And uh, again, just can't thank you enough for being on here and and sharing everything you've shared. It's been a a great journey with you here the last 45 minutes or so. And uh, with that, for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of the greatest games. Mm -hmm.